0: Even when parents disagree, you know, when there's conflict over how to handle this situation, there's always an underlying concern or need that it's going unmet. And if we can seek to understand our partner's concern, right, and really address that, then we can have true communication and solve it together. It's a win win.
1: Hello and welcome Visit ADHDessentials.com for more details. What's up, team? The Calming the ADHD Family Summit takes place March 21st through the 28th. Join me and over 35 other experts as we share thoughts and strategies to help you address the ADHD challenges in your home. This is an invaluable resource, and the link for it will be in the show notes. I highly recommend you check it out. Speaking of family resources, the next round of the ADHD Essentials online parent coaching groups begins April 25th. I'm already starting to sign people up. Go to ADHDessentials.com parentgroups parent groups for more details. Or just send an email to brendan at ADHDessentials.com. And of course, check out our partner podcasts, ADHD Rewired with Activers, Hacking Your ADHD with Will Kerb, ADHD Diversified with MJ, and the ADHD Friendly Lifestyle with Moira Maben. Don't forget to join the live Q&A, the second Tuesday of every month, so you can get all your questions answered from the ADHD Rewired Podcast Network crew. Go to ADHDrewired.com events to register. And of course, like so many other episodes, this one was edited by Jeffrey Gordon of Ideal Video Strategies. He does phenomenal work, and I'm grateful to have him on the team. Finally, if you want to support this show, a great way to do so is by providing a rating and review on your podcast player of choice. It really helps others find the show, and that helps me help more people. In this episode, we're talking to my friend Coco Stanback. Coco is an ADHD and parenting coach whose family is, unsurprisingly, affected by the disorder. In this episode, Coco discusses effective co-parenting. She talks about why we should seek to understand when things get challenging, the importance of knowing and honoring each other's skill sets, and her three core C's of parenting. All right, let's get rolling.
0: My name is Coco Stanback, and I am an ADHD parent and family coach. I work both with the parents and the kiddos. My focus is to help parents and kids connect. I do that by teaching them strategies, and the big picture is empathy and collaboration and communication. And it's my passion because I am am married and have three sons and we all have our own ADHD challenges. And so I got into this work solely to help me actually figure out how to help my son. And then I ended up becoming a coach.
1: One of the things that is the best part of the ADHD work, like the ADHD field, I guess, is that so many of us have become the person that we needed. And this is still an early field. It's still pretty young and new. And one of the reasons that I love that is that hopefully it means that the next generation coming through, they're going to just have the person that they need.
0: Yes, exactly. Absolutely. That was totally the case for me. And I, I didn't intend to become a coach, but I learned so much. And my mentor at the time said, Coco you can now be that person that you hoped others could find that you could that you wanted to find you know what you were looking for that you were searching for and it was never my my intention but I I did see the need and there's so many families hurting you know um, don't have a kind of a roadmap and for me the relationship was the most important part. Um, my relationship with my children. I was, I was one of those kiddos who always wanted to be a mom and dreamed of the day that I'd become a mom. And so having a child to me was so important and having that connection was the most important thing. And I was losing it. I was losing that connection. There was so much conflict and so much stress and so much misunderstanding. And I was at a loss. That's why I am so passionate about it now. I just believe every parent wants that. And so, and we can achieve it. We can achieve it little steps at a time.
1: You mentioned that there's so many families that are in pain and you mentioned sort of even the own chaos and struggles that you experienced. And one of the ways that that plays out, the struggles, the chaos is that the divorce rate for folks with ADHD is twice as high as our normal neurotypical population and i used air quotes for that audience in case you didn't see it cuz this is an audio format and not a video format but that's what we're here to talk about is sort of navigating that divorce not the divorce itself but navigating co-parenting and my first question is what's the difference between co-parenting and just being divorced like how is that what's the distinction
0: you know co-parenting actually means parenting with your partner um and it came about as the role started to change a little bit, you know, probably when you were raised, and definitely when I was raised, um, you know, the father did the work and brought home the bacon, and the mom did kind of all the things involved with the kiddos. And that started to shift, I think, as information and, you know, um, people became more aware. And I think as a reaction to perhaps their own childhood decided, no, I think I want to do this differently. And there, there became this you know, a movement towards let's parent together. We're a team, let's do this together. And I think most recently it's now been, I think when people hear co-parenting, they usually think, oh, you're separated or you're divorced or now, and now you have to kind of figure it out because you're in two different homes. And and I think that's where it's leaning towards now when you hear that term. But when I say co-parenting, I mean, working with your your partner together as a team to really figure this out. And it's, like you said especially difficult when there's ADHD in the family in the mix whether it's one parent or both parents or just the kiddos it it is so much more challenging um to navigate and it's unfortunate but like you said we are twice as likely to end up in divorce and i don't think anybody wants to go there either that's no nobody gets married wanting to do that so i'm hoping what we talk about today can you know help a little with families to figure it out and And navigate this interesting, adventurous road we're on.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So co-parenting, it sounds like co-parenting starts in the marriage, right? We're we're working as a team. And certainly my wife and I do that. Some of that is we're like, we kind of over co-parented today because we both fed the dog. Oops. (laughs) Um, But also like one of my kids struggled with some homework stuff. He's a little behind on an English assignment. Shocking that that comes up on an ADHD podcast, I know, but he's behind in an English assignment. And that caused some strong emotions and caused some struggles. He mostly caught himself up in the roughly an hour and a half after school. And then I ran downstairs and did coaching groups (laughs) um, while he was taking a shower. And then when I saw my wife after the parent coaching groups, I'd have to communicate to her like, hey, one of our kids, this is what's up. It's nothing bad. It's not a big deal. Just letting you know. I'm assuming that's a co-parenting skill that I'm using.
0: Yes, yes, absolutely. And I, you know, I work with couples um, and what I see most often is there is a lack of just communication. What I have seen is that the biggest culprit of conflict in any relationship, whether it's your partner or In business or with your child, over and over this comes up is just unspoken, unclear, uncommunicated expectations. It really boils down to that. And so that becomes, instead of saying the challenge the opportunity, right? If we could communicate, and I can't tell you how many times I will sit with a couple and they're having a conflict over something that happened with their kiddo. And I'll ask, did either of you communicate the expectation? This either of you know what the expectation is. And over and over again, this is like on a daily basis, they'll say, nope, never communicated that. Nope, we never talked about it. Nope. You know, and so um, what you said about that communication, I love that you helped your son and then let your wife know what had happened because it's important. You know, it's an important piece of the day and it helps bring you to, to kind of, Mutual understanding.
1: And I think one of the challenges around what I did around my helping my son and then telling my wife, because honestly, I've fallen victim to this and I kind of had to self talk my way past it, mature my way past it, whatever. Right. One of the challenges is as the ADHD dad of the ADHD kid, when I see him struggle, I kind of feel like I'm telling on him when I tell my wife. Right. Because when I was a kid and I didn't do the English assignment and I was a week behind or whatever. When the parents found out about that, I got in trouble. So there's a part of me that doesn't want to mention it to my wife. There's a part of me that's like, I don't want her to think that he's struggling. I don't want to stress her out and cause her to be unnecessarily anxious about how our kid is doing in school. I kind of feel like I'm ratting on him and I don't want to do that because I'm remembering when I was his age and had the same problems. And that's in there, like my soft, squishy bits. And also, as I kind of came through this process, I hit at one point, I hit the phase of, I kind of don't want to tell my wife because I don't want her to then go in, get into it with him. Right. I don't want my wife to get into it with him when I tell her. So I don't want to let her know. And that's just another communication thing. That's just speaking about that unclear expectation of like, you don't need to talk to him. Just, this is what's up. He's fine. Let's let him be fine. So there's a bunch of reasons why that communication can break down. Am I, am I onto something here?
0: There's so many levels of that because just on that level about what you shared in your own experience right another thing i see with couples when i meet with them i ask them did you ever talk about parenting before you had kids did you ever discuss what it would it be like who who would do what kind of you know, and 100% of the time <laughs> the answer is no We don't know to do that. We don't know to, to, to consider and think through and sit down. So one of the things you just shared is a perfect example of really talking through our own, our own history and our own childhoods and our own triggers, because exactly what you just shared, when there is a connection that will trigger us, it can prevent us from that communication, unless we share that with our partner, right? Like, this is really sensitive for me. And this is something that was hard when I was growing up. And, you know, I talk, I talk about the negotiables and the non-negotiables and your parenting and really building a scaffolding and and the rules of the game, right? You're a team. And so what are, what are the rules going to be? How are we going to play this game? Right. And so I'm learning to play pickleball. I'm learning how to be a teammate because I'm never really done it. I played solo sports growing up. And it's fascinating how you, you need to, that interaction and that communication and how it makes all the difference. And of course, I apply everything to parenting. So I, as I am doing that, I'm like, oh, this is totally like parenting because you need to know what your other partner can do and what their strengths are. You know, that's another thing we talk about is we talk about what is your partner's strengths? What are your strengths and how can you work together together? You know, there's some things my husband does way better than I do. There there just are. And and you know, he's very fun and adventurous. And I'm very kind of conscious and responsible, you know. So we had to kind of divide up our roles and 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 the the weight of it, you know, who's gonna help with homework and who's gonna put him to bed, that kind of thing. So anyway, I love that whole conversation, but yes, communication has very many layers, has so many pieces to address, you know, but talking to each other, just about even your own expectations and, and your triggers and all those things is part of kind of the journey to, to be in a better place.
1: I want to unpack something here a little bit, because I think it's important. The frame that you mentioned earlier of like kind of our parents, right? Dad brings home the bacon and mom does the kid's stuff. Mom does the emotional stuff. Dad does the practical stuff or the, or the adventure stuff and those sorts of things, right? Dad kind of gets to swoop in and be fun and mom has to do all the hard things. Also, there's a layer of like dad has to be the heavy, right? Because mom's there all the time. So dad sometimes swoops in and is fun and sometimes swoops in and slams his fist on the table and tells the kid to get his grades up or whatever. One of the things that's tricky about that is that's what's been modeled for us, So some of us are trying to make that our parenting style and our parenting approach. And it's our assumed tactics if we didn't talk about what we're going to do as parents. So a lot of us are living there, right? And sometimes that doesn't make sense for our skill sets. So we're not doing the thing we're best suited for. As an example of the inverse of that, right? I'm a parent coach, kind of got the parenting thing nailed. The first time my dad saw me with my kids when they were infants, he was like, you can just hold them. And like, you're not anxious or nervous. Like he was full of compliments. Cause I was just like, I love this kid. I'll go change his diaper. And my dad was like, I never even learned how to change a diaper. Right. But I'm the parent coach. I've got the social emotional stuff down, right. I've got degree in counseling and a degree in education. And I also have the education piece. My kid was struggling with English homework. I used to be an English teacher. I taught sixth grade. He's in seventh grade. Close enough. Right. In a lot of families, mom, Is automatically doing the. I'm going to help you manage the emotional upheaval of being behind. I'm going to be the one who gets you to talk about whatever's going on. And I'm probably going to help you with the homework, unless it's maybe math or history. And then maybe we'll throw dad in, unless dad has a unique skill in an area. And that is not giving dads enough credit. It's putting way too much on moms. We have to recognize what our skill sets are, right? Like my family is wicked gender flipped. I'm kind of a stay-at-home dad because I work from home and I can make my own hours. So the kids come home and I just don't work for an hour and a half and I navigate them coming home, right? And my wife is like, got executive functioning powers that I can't even comprehend. So she pays the bills because otherwise we're going to be homeless. <laughs> like I'm going to forget. And, and my wife makes more money than I do. I know ladies and gentlemen, you're like, but you're an internet celebrity, Brendan. It doesn't mean I'm making money hand over fist guys. My wife's a scientist. So she makes like significantly more money than I do. It's part of why I get to do this is we can survive on her salary if this flips over, but that that's in here too, is the, how are those gender roles playing? And what is that doing to affect our co-parenting skills? Am I making sense?
0: Absolutely. I love how you take it deeper at each step, Brendan, but yeah. And it's, going back to a little bit like those triggers and expectations, like what we saw growing up. And, and, and so here's the other side of that too. We oftentimes don't want to imitate what we saw growing up or sometimes let's just say, maybe not oftentimes, but let's just say, sometimes we we don't want to repeat what we saw in our home. So we want to do it differently, but you know, as a counselor, we have this unconscious template it's there. And so Sometimes, even though we don't want to, it comes out. This way we deal with our kiddos that we swore we would never do. Like I made all kinds of promises. I'm never going to, blah, blah, blah. You know, I made all these promises. Most of them I kept, but once in a while still, I would say the things I said I was never going to say or, you know, do the things I said I was never going to do. But yes, that whole thing, it's very deep. You know, we could talk hours and hours and hours over this just this one subject on knowing each other's strengths and skill sets and honoring that, right? And being a team that way, because, you know, back to a sports analogy, you don't put the person in the position of weakness, you put them in the position of strength. It seems like we get that everywhere, but in in parenting, it's really hard. And so, yes, it's very deep. and, and And I think Depending on how traditionally you grew up and how much gender was emphasized and what you should and shouldn't do, there are the shoulds, right? It's hard. It's hard to shift and hard to be, here's our ADD challenge, flexible. How hard is it for us to be flexible and to shift and to change and to adapt and to, this is not what I'm really good at. So it's okay. Let me do what I am really good at.
1: And circling back to the co-parenting concept, we've sort of established like we're married and we're co-parenting because we're parenting as a team, when the, I should say, if, I guess, I don't want to jinx anybody, if, and when the divorce comes around, the idea here is we're still a team. We're just not intimately involved anymore as parents, and we're not living in the same home. But when it comes to our kids, we are still a team in parenting them. Am I understanding this correctly?
0: Absolutely, and and not that I would say it's more important, but it's more critical at that point because the kids, you know, they are now in in, in a very uh, different situation, and the the better we work as a team, at least this is what I've seen, the better the parents can communicate, can be clear on their expectations, can collaborate onto who's doing what, when, and how are we going to communicate, and how are we going to solve even the challenges that show up, the better. The kiddos do.
1: And some of that teamwork can even go back to the conversation that I had with my wife about my kid had some struggles with the English class. That conversation is easy when we live in the same house. It's sort of like a, you just kind of do it. When we're living in different houses and there's maybe some contentiousness between us, that conversation feels much more effortful. And I, I haven't been divorced. I don't know this for sure, but it makes sense in my head that that conversation is going to feel much more effortful. And as a result might feel unnecessary. It might feel like the effort to value ratio for this conversation is not making sense. So I'm not going to have this conversation. And as a former teacher, I can tell you that when divorced parents make that decision, that the effort to value ratio isn't worthwhile, and they're not going to have that conversation problems for kids fall through the cracks because if, Each of you thinks that the kid bombed a test twice, you might be like, ah, it's only two tests in the semester. I'm not going to worry that much. But what if that's four tests and you didn't talk to each other about it? Now that's a deal. That's a thing we need to handle. So even the really small things we should be communicating about. And when I say bombed a test, I was thinking F, but it doesn't have to be F. It could be a C minus or a C plus for your kid, depending on where they are. Is
0: that hiding in here too? it goes back to the expectations. We, we just take it for granted. We assume so much without recognizing that, that we do that. Uh, I'm just, like I said, every time I meet with couples, I am consistently confronted with this fact that the expectations of how, even how are we going to communicate? Let's just start there. Whether you're in the same home or separate homes, what are the rules of the game? How will we communicate? What things are we going to communicate about? How often are we going to communicate? You know, what happens is if one of our kiddos is struggling and I see it and you don't. All of that stuff, it, it goes back to those simple communicate expectations of how, how are we going to do this, right? right. And of course, if, if you are divorced, you hope peacefully. But like you said, I've, I've seen the fallout. Of the kiddos in two homes where there is no good communication, and and not just in schooling, but emotionally and friendships and all of those things, how much they suffer because of that, and it's not their fault that they're in this situation, but here they are. You know, my husband actually was a child of a divorce, and it was very traumatic for him, and there was no communication, and there was animosity and all those things, and it just It does a number to these kiddos emotionally that is, it actually is, can be very traumatizing um, because they don't know their children, you know, their brains are not developed. Their emotional (laughs) makeup is not developed and they're relying on the adult to help them out.
1: Before we jumped on to start recording, you talked about three C's and they've already come up. They're, they're infused within this conversation, but I think it's important that we we tease them out a little bit and, and spell them out. So do you mind just sharing what those three C's are and and what we should do with them?
0: Connection, communication, and collaboration. The connection piece, just like is so important with your child, I think with your partner. And of course we're talking about when we're still together, right? That, that whole connection piece. Another thing I observe with families and with couples who come to me and, and they want help with their parenting and their, their kiddos and life just happens, right? And everything that we did to form a relationship, to fall in love, to be connected, and we get married and then kids come and for some reason, kids come and all of that just gets swept away. And everything we did to make sure we were close and connected in most situations I see disappears, Uh, Because life is hard and life comes at you and you have all these things. And just like we mentioned before, since we don't talk about how we're going to handle the parenting, we are just thrust into this very incredibly demanding job, right? And we haven't decided who's doing what. And we haven't leaned on each other's strengths. And there you go, you know? And so, That's how resentment builds. That's how fights start. And your parenting default shows up. And oftentimes, at least this has been my experience, I have not yet met a couple where they both have the same parenting style. It really needs to be talked through and kind of, again, what do we agree on? What is going to be our mantra? You know, in the medical field and doctors, they have this, you know, first do no harm. Um, I often suggest with parents is like first seek to understand that's going to be our like, this is, this is going to be our thing, right? This is what we do. If nothing else, this is what we do. We seek to understand that kind of sets the groundwork for all kinds of good things to happen. But yes, connection. I often encourage couples to spend time together on a weekly basis. I often encourage couples to um, make sure that they are spending that time just with each other, not about with the kiddos, right? Because then once we have kids, all we seem to talk about is the kids, (laughs) what they're doing or not doing, or what trouble they're getting into, or whatever it is. So anyway, connection is so important. And it it's important to remember the big picture. We had a really challenging time with our kiddos. We had three sons and and it was quite chaotic and it it seemed like we we were never going to be able to manage and something my husband would say to me all the time was we started together and we're going to end together and this is a stage in life we have to protect our relationship and i really value that he, you know he really made an effort to do those date nights and to make sure we continually connecting and that way so that when we had to face the stress of raising our kiddos it was more bearable and more doable
1: that's awesome right and there's studies out there that show like marriages tend to be stronger and tend to last longer if the man has more social emotional skills and a higher sort of social emotional IQ because they're going to do that stuff and it's just another layer of support to that marriage if the husband is on top of like date night and remembers that it's Valentine's Day and those sorts of things, because that's what keeps us tied together. That's what helps the connection go. And it also improves the communication, which we've talked at length about at this point, and collaboration, which is really also infused in here. That third C of yours, that's the teamwork that you've been talking about. That's the co-parenting, is collaborative parenting.
0: Yeah, that is the knowing your strengths. It's also knowing what you value. And, you know, I often ask couples to write down, what do you wish for your children? What do you want for them separately? Right. What do you want for them? And I just put it in a big circle and tell me all the things you want for them. They often come feeling like they just don't see eye to eye. They don't understand each other. They can't do this. And then when they share what they want for their children, that's the big picture thing, right? That it's very common to see that there's so many things that they want for their children that are the same. You know, their safety, their happiness, their success, their reaching their potential, all of those things that we all want that for our children. And so kind of putting it on paper and really talking about it and say, oh, we we are in this together. You know, we are a team and we can do this together. And that whole collaborative piece Is huge. It really is. And when there are the moments that do show up when we don't agree, right? Or there's something going on, even collaborating on how how are we going to resolve this? What do we do if you're doing something I don't agree with or I don't like how you're handling it? What do we do? How do we agree to disagree? You know, how do we collaborate in, in those situations? And then being able to go back to what I said about, you know, first seek to understand, even when parents disagree, you know, when there's conflict over how to handle this situation, there's always an underlying concern or need that it's going unmet. And if we can do that, if we can learn to do that, seek to understand our partner's concern, right? And really address that, then we can have true communication and solve it together, it's a win-win. So I often find that if we can do that and seek to understand then to be understood, you know if we can look for what's really underneath, what's going on, you know what what is the concern? And of course, it goes back to our own history and our own triggers. If we understand each other, then we'll know. Like, if I know my husband's triggers, I find, and it's interesting. I'm sure it happens with you and your wife. There's some things that really trigger me and don't trigger my husband at all, you know, and and vice versa, that teamwork and helping each other. How do we work through those situations? And
1: that collaborative piece too, right? There's another layer to that because it's mom and dad need to collaborate, but the kid is part of that collaboration too, or maybe kids, right? They need to be a part of that. Mom and dad can have whatever vision they want of that kid, but the kid gets to ruin that vision. Like that's their job. Their job is to come in and be like, it's nice that you want me to be a lawyer, but that's dumb and I have no interest in it. And I would much rather make YouTube videos about Minecraft. That's the job of the kid is to kind of ruin that. On my end, and I, I don't know if I've said this on the podcast before or not. For me, my kids ruined that before they were born. They destroyed my vision for my children and my wife's vision for my children because we have identical twins. And it just doesn't make sense to be like, my son is going to be a lawyer. And apparently, so is his clone. That doesn't make any sense. So I was like, well, they're going to be whoever they become then because I can't have a locked in vision. Cause I don't think it's realistic that they're both going to become whatever I think they're going to become. That seems unlikely just statistically. So I guess they're going to become whatever they want to become. And that has that has contributed to my ability to let my kids be who they are significantly in a way that I can't even put into words. Like they're they are going to be who they're going to be, and that's fine, whatever they want to do. And they're identical twins, but they're very different. Nate probably should be an engineer. That kid is like rock star math guy he's literally multiplied mixed fractions in his head that have not like different denominators in his head, like converted them to mixed numbers, converted the mixed numbers to mixed fractions, I guess. And then like figured out the denominators went back, converted them back to mixed numbers. And I was like, improper fractions. That's the word I wanted. Like, that's his brain. It's ridiculous. And Gavin is like captain story guy. He just, he, they're both good in math. Nate's like, a 10 at math and like an eight at stories. And Gavin is a 10 at stories and an eight at math. So they're not like necessarily weak in the areas. The other one is strong, but they're different kids.
0: What a gift that was to you. How simple that incident that you happen to have identical twins. And it made total sense to you that there's no way you could expect both of them to do that. But we do that with our kiddos all the time. You know, we just, we have these dreams and visions and things we want and hope for them to become. And the more we can embrace them for who they are, you know, and yes, what I teach parents is collaboration all the time, not just with each other, but like you said, with their children, because their children, you know, our children are unique beautiful human beings with their own thoughts and their own emotions and their own desires. And, you know, it's hard for parents to embrace that sometimes but they are they're they're creative resourceful and whole just as they are and I encourage parents to embrace that and and the way to embrace that is by bringing them in right and collaborating when there is a challenge when there is a problem that whole same thing instead of Dr. Ross Greens calls this dueling solutions right unless like that instead of this is my idea no let's do this idea and we're battling solutions we never get anywhere but if we can actually again, go beneath the surface and talk about, well, what is your concern around that? And why is that hard for you? And really discover what that is. Then we can find a solution. And we're not battling opinions or ideas anymore. We're actually getting to the root of the problem. And it's beautiful because it works. It really works when we can treat each other in that way.
1: And just being mindful of time, do you have any ending essentials that you'd like to share with our audience?
0: I have just really enjoyed having this conversation with you, Brendan. I, it's such a deep topic and I really love how you added layers and went deeper and there's so much more we could say, but I just want to thank you again for the opportunity to share this information with you.
1: Hey, you're still here. Nice. Thanks for staying focused all the way through.